We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome into this edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. Chase Parm, Zach Berry here with you on uh, this Friday. Hope you all have a wonderful weekend. Got some mailbag questions, plenty of things in the news regarding Oklahoma and Texas and their potential move into the Southeastern Conference, what they're going to do from a division standpoint, what they're going to do from a money standpoint. A lot of things still uh, up in the air here. The only thing that doesn't seem to be up in the air is that it's actually going to happen. It looks like it's in its final pieces of being announced at some point here in the uh, the coming weeks. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about some other things. Um, I have a bit of a chaotic house right now, so you might even hear a dog barking, some good things like that uh, as we get done with this uh, next hour or so here with you on the pod. A pod brought to you every single day by the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford. Download the Speed Pass Plus app. Let them take care of you by earning some points. And when you earn points, you save money there with the Oxford Exxon. Also uh, coming to you from the Clark Ford Studio, Clark Ford, Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900. Give Corey a call. And during business hours, 15 minutes to get a, a quote within 15 minutes. Wants to be your car guy, wants to be your truck guy. He will take care of you no matter where you're at in the car buying process. Let Corey help you out. And then all guests join on the Raptors Music and Food Hotline, Raptors on the Water, Raptors in New Albany, Raptors in Oxford, a lot of different uh, places for uh, Raptors with their po' boys, their, their uh, drink menus, and much more there at uh, – at Raptors, Zach, good Friday to you. Another weekend coming up. You, uh, we're, Media days happen. we got two weeks before this thing actually kicks off. Is there any bit of, like, football anticipation at this point, or is it still a little too far away? I would say anticipation is starting to boil a little bit. Um, I, I think the Oklahoma-Texas news has ramped it up considerably. Um, it seems, we were talking before we started, it seems like things are starting to move rather quickly there. Um, Brad McMurphy of Stadium reported that he anticipates them letting the Big 12 know that they're wanting to leave and that they'll contact the SEC uh, next week to uh, fill out that application. Um, you asked me before we started what that application might look like. I, I have no idea. I don't know if it's like a – really curious. I have, I have a feeling it's a really long form. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they're checking credit scores, if they're uh, – <laughs> 
they're wanting a proof of residency or, you know, whatever, but, um, but yeah, it's probably very thorough. Um, I don't know. I, we, we talked about it on our podcast this week on, on red cup. Um, and I, I don't know, I, I, I'm pretty excited. I think it's, I think it's huge. I mean, I think it's a huge deal for the, for the conference. I think it's a huge deal for Ole Miss in terms of bringing in even more revenue. Um, it's only going to help. It's not going to hurt them uh, at all. My, my only, I guess, comment on it when we discussed it was, if anything, it's just going to make things harder for Texas and Oklahoma because you're going to a tougher conference. It's making everything harder on everybody to a point. And look, this is a question. We'll get into some of these mobax questions coming up. But here's the over the overarching or arching thing for me is that yeah, everybody goes, hey, now it's gonna be even harder to get to Atlanta. Okay, fair enough. Because either you have I, I think this thing starts at least as eight team divisions, in my opinion. I, I don't think you get the pod system immediately for whatever reason. I could be wrong, but I think they might shift to and this is another good question too. It was actually that I don't know why we keep saying pods instead of just divisions and just have four. It's not like division is something where there only can be two. It's not like we have halves here. Like so, I don't right. know why the hell everybody keeps saying pods because it can easily be just four divisions. But nonetheless, I think we start as eight team divisions and then move to some other system as time goes on. So look, does that make it more complicated? Well, of course, because you you have more. No matter what it looks like, who they move, where it's going to be a tougher deal there. But. I don't know that getting to Atlanta, especially with the 12 team, or, or not even especially, because of the 12 team playoff coming into effect, getting to Atlanta is not really the goal anymore. That doesn't necessarily matter. Um, you're just trying to get in the top 12, get into the tournament, and then see what happens, especially if you're in Ole Miss. Right. So I think in a lot of ways, getting to Atlanta is more like an NFL team going, hey, how do we get the number one seed versus how do we get into the playoffs? I, I think that you know, in all ways, as a 16-team conference happens, college football is just different now. We can't compare it to anything from a 12-team division. We can't even necessarily compare it to a 14-team division in a lot of ways, where what our benchmarks were, what our, our, our mileposts were for what things mattered, that's no longer the same. I mean, when you look at it and go, hey, they had this, or they did this, or they did whatever – we're starting new. We're starting fresh here and into a whole different ball game. And from this point forward, yeah, obviously you want to win your pod or win your division and you want to win the West. You want to go to Atlanta. You want to win all those different things. But from a forest and tree standpoint, this thing is simply about maximizing revenue, maximizing exposure, finding ways into the national tournament to potentially win championships or be noteworthy teams, however, whatever that has to look like. And then here's the other thing. And you, you talked about, you talked to a buddy who was discussing how do you make the money make sense from a TV market standpoint and all those things. We all believe that eventually this thing is going to go to several 16 team leagues, making up whatever the top division is of college football eventually. Mm -hmm. So this is a long range plan. And if you're the SEC and you go, Hey, Eventually, we're going to be at 16 teams, whether we like it or not, whether we jump into it or we go kicking and screaming. If we're going to do that, what, who are the best teams to put into this thing to make us as good as possible? And from money, from exposure, from football, from everything, Oklahoma and Texas are the answers there. So there's no doubt in the world that has to be what happens here. Yeah, and if you're Ole Miss, you have to think you, you already have the, I guess you could say the lottery ticket, if you will, of being in the best conference in the country. You know, it's one of those where the power five is, is probably dead from, from, you know, after this happens. So 
will the Big Ten merge? Will the Pac-12 merge? You know, what will it be? But if you're Ole Miss, you're in one of those conferences that is going to have a chance to add five or six teams to this 12-team tournament. And like you said, I mean, if you looked at it, uh, I saw a couple, you know, brackets from 2020, um, you know, 11, 11th-ranked Indiana would have made it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just just be as good as the Hoosiers were a year ago and you're in and then, hey, man, just take your take your chance. I mean, I heard Lane Kiffin talking about it where he was he's a proponent of the 12 team playoff because he said, you know, how lame would the NCAA basketball tournament be if you just had the four number one seeds play and that's it? I mean, there'd be no parity. There'd be no excitement. It would just be the four best teams playing each other, whatever. And I think that with the 12 team league, you're, you're going to be able to find truly the best team in the country in that season, because it's going to challenge the four number one seeds and it's going to give other, you know, eight to 12 seed teams an opportunity to play spoiler, to pull off an upset, to, um, you know, really keep some momentum going if they're having a, just a, a banner year. I mean, there's been the, the group of five teams that have bickered about being in, you know, the UCFs and, um, the Boise States and all of that, you know, if if the 12-team playoff was was in effect when they were having those runs, they would have had a say. And, I mean, I've always said, let the group of five teams in, even before the 12-team playoff, just let them in. And if they get whipped, you know, 62 to 7, then, you know, they'll shut up. They had their shot and they didn't, they didn't win. So, I mean, I think it's great. And I think that with the addition um, that I think is going to happen of Oklahoma and Texas being – added to the SEC, that's just going to make everything more exciting. I mean, you talk about a home and home uh, with those, with those two programs. I mean, think about, think about what Oxford is going to bring in money wise if they have a season where they host both Texas and Oklahoma. I mean, you can't ask for much more than that. Yeah. I mean, you, you, in theory, at least in the beginning, if, if we are doing eight teams for a little while, just for the heck of the conversation, you could have a home schedule that has Oklahoma, Texas, and Alabama all coming to Oxford. Yeah. Among how many of your games. And it's only going to help everything because, look, Ole Miss gets enough students from Texas anyway. But you can tell people, hey, if you enroll here at the University of Mississippi, you get your, you know, your eight home games, your ten home games, whatever it is, and you have a chance to see – the Longhorns come here. You get to see Bebo on the sideline. You get to see the, you know, I don't know if they do the Sooner Shooter on away games or what, but you'll have an Oklahoma team, a team with Jordan on their uniform that gets to come in. Like, as a student, as a freshman, you get to see those teams come to Oxford. I mean, that's that's only going to add more to what you offer as a higher education institution. So, I mean, it's just going to only help everything. And you and Neil were talking about it, I guess, last week, or maybe it was two weeks ago, about – the stadium and what do you do? And, and I've always said at this point, it's just lipstick on a pig. Like in a perfect world, best case scenario, you blow it up and you start over and you build something new. I don't really know if that's feasible or if that's possible. I know it's going to cost a lot of money, but added revenue from these two programs is going to be a pretty high number. That's only going to help if you're, if you're Keith Carter and you're wanting to do that in the future, if you, you know, either on the same site or if you're going to put it somewhere else, that only helps. The two things, too, that I'm, I'm thinking about is from a sure money standpoint, I mean, what, whatever it goes up to, more money is more money. And I mentioned this with Neil the other day a little bit. 
relatively more money helps Ole Miss more than it helps some of the schools with the larger athletic budgets. Because, I mean, that, that's, that, that's common economics in a lot of ways. I mean, somebody who makes $40,000 a year that gets a $50,000 raise, that's a much bigger deal than somebody who makes $500,000 a year and gets a $50,000 raise. So there's, there's that part of it. And then two, I'm not sure in the look, there are a lot of elements to this. So people that roll their eyes, I get it. I get that it's more complicated. But the 12-team playoffs and the bigger conferences could actually increase parity a little bit among the programs that have some chance to make the playoff or to win a playoff game or at least be in the conversation. And I say that because in a lot of ways that 14 playoff is so restricted. I mean, you look at the teams that have gotten in over the years and it's only a handful. Well, they're the only ones that kind of benefit from that structure over and over and over and over again. And it creates a really big have and have nots. And sure, while the seven through 12 may not win the title, just getting in allows those programs to jump into the same classification, jump into the same tier, to be able to recruit a different way, to recruit a little better way, that they're one of the big boys in this top elite situation. So I, I think there's a chance that it, this structure could actually benefit the old misses of the world um, along with, you know, I was trying to think around the league, I'm out, around the country, put, put, out, put whoever else in, 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 that, in that bracket you want to put in. But I, I think I think Ole Miss, and from that standpoint, actually could be one of the biggest beneficiaries as long as whenever the pods do happen, you don't get put in some brutal thing that just makes it very, very complicated to go three and zero. Yeah, and, and and I don't know how much you how much thought you put into it in terms of scheduling, but you know I was saying with how well received last year's schedule was, and I know there were obviously restrictions because of COVID and they were trying to keep everything, you know, quote unquote in-house. So it was a conference only schedule, but with these two programs being added, I mean, I would go as far to say as, you know, it, you know, they're already playing eight conference games already. I mean, play 10, play everybody and then have two high profile non-conference games. I think that forces you to be much more selective and, and much more thorough in how you schedule non-conference games. Cause you want to keep the strength of schedule up. And I know it's already going to be up because of the SEC, you know, the difficulty of that schedule already. But imagine a 10-game conference schedule with what they have with Oklahoma and Texas added, and then you get a non-conference away game against Washington or a non-conference away game against Notre Dame or, you know, just pick Power 5 school and, and insert there. I mean, I, I, I would think that that would be something that the SEC would just lick their chops at because – you're not only adding value to what your conference schedule looks like with these two, but it's almost like, hey, play, play, play better competition. You know, don't, don't play 10 conference games and then schedule UT Martin and Jackson State or whoever. To accomplish that, you're going to have to change the mindset of college football where every additional win is a huge deal, where it becomes – because our sport right now is so much on just what your total win number is for fans and – rivals and everything inside the conference. I, I, I don't necessarily disagree with you at all, but I think it would require a major shift in the way we count wins right now as the ultimate importance because you're talking about teams that in that situation of a schedule might have a hard time getting to six and six. So suddenly bowl streaks are over. They're not having any postseason. Suddenly seven and five is the new nine and three. You know what I mean? In a, in, in yeah. a way, there's things like that where – I just think that creates a whole different – for fans and administrations and coaches and players and everything, it would take a complete shift in, hey, we're trying to maximize value. We're trying to maximize money, uh, experiences for the players and the fans, frankly. 
But mm-hmm. the, the the drawback and the negative is simply that win total falling and whatever that means for uh, for for morale and for programs, right? However you want to phrase that. Yeah, and then on the flip side of what I was proposing, you would you could obviously go with what you're saying, where it's like, man, we got to win games because we got to get in that top twelve. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not the top four anymore. To where it's like, all right, whatever. Like if we go seven and five, like that's a great year to build on. We'll get ready for next year. But now, like. No, nine is the number in the SEC now. Because Ole Miss in yeah. 2014 and 2015 would have made the top 12 at nine and three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2008 would have been up there. 2009, yeah, they had, they had an outside shot. They'd have been close. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Obviously that's – 2003. Yeah, so that's another way to look at it is got to be careful. Ole Miss would have made the national playoff four times in the last how many every years? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's – it's better than making it zero times. As I mean, they say, percent. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I know a lot of people are kind of like, you know, well, this just makes everything harder. Well, you know, it's if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. Well, thanks. I, I don't know. And, well, and and again, though, if everybody's going to sixteen, and those four major conferences all have sixteen teams, go find the two that fit you the best. Don't get left. You know, don't don't get left dry over here where you're just taking whoever's left over after the ACC grabs Notre Dame and then go take somebody from the Big Ten or whatever, however this works. I don't know. Yeah. So that's it from a from from a from a news standpoint. Yeah, not much else. Um, the other news thing is that was it Kurt Bowles uh, of the Austin American Statesman reporting this because this has been going on around six months and that A and M had uh, no idea. Um, what's Imagine that. that. Yeah, no, it, it it feels a little deja vu potentially in in, in a in, in a certain way, but um, you know, it's. Uh, I'll be interested to hear the story when it's told, whenever uh, whenever it comes out. <laughs> Do you buy it? Is that even possible though? That they had no idea. <laughs> Who's in charge in College Station? Again? I know, I know, I know. I mean, I I, I guess. I mean, two two of the biggest power brokers in. In the country, I feel like they could find some smart enough people to keep things under wraps. I mean, maybe it's easier to do it because Texas is in a bit of a transition. You know, Sark hasn't coached his first game there yet, and they were kind of in flux with getting Tom Herman out of there. And, I mean, Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma is just a machine over there, so they seem to know what they're doing. Um, So, yeah, it's certainly possible that they can keep it under wraps, but – it is – jokes kind of write themselves there with, uh, they with A&M not having a clue. Um, I haven't looked at the questions, Chase, but I will tell people this. The, for uh, recruiting updates for, for next week, mm-hmm. um, I will be in town uh, hoping to talk to quite a few uh, of the big-name targets that are going to be in town. I'm uh, pretty sure I have it confirmed that Arch Manning is coming into town early. Um, now, I don't know if he's staying the whole week or if he's going to come back for the the cookout, fish fry, whatever it is. But uh, I believe he is, as of today, at 2.49 on a Friday, he's um, scheduled to come into town on Monday um, to meet with uh, Lane Kiffin and Jeff Levy. So, um, I guess you would certainly want him to be there with all the other recruits, but the good news is he is going to be in town. And um, I mean, I've heard of several interviews that they've actually never really formally met Lane Kiffin. 
um, just kind of, it's always been in passing at this point. So he'll be able to sit down and, and talk with, with Kiffin and Levy and do the chalk talk and whole deal. And yeah. And, you know, if you listen to, to Neil's uh, interview with Nick Suss at media days, they, Cooper said that he is just a, a football nerd. He's a football junkie. And that's good. I think that's good news for Ole Miss because that's what Kiffin and Levy are. They just eat, sleep and breathe football. So uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, what comes out of that, uh, that meeting on Monday and Tuesday, however long it stays. The Oxford Exxon Podcast is brought to you in part by Game Changer Patch Company. Game Changer Patch Company developed their own custom blend for treating hangovers several years ago to help reduce dehydration, prevent sleep deprivation, and help process alcohol. Game Changer Patches are the only two-patch system available in the market. The warm-up patch is used before or while you drink, and the overtime patch is used after you have been drinking and while you sleep. Game Changer Patches are based on the science of preventing hangovers, to include the highest quality ingredients sourced by the reputable manufacturers in the United States and the UK. They research the potent ingredients that include enzymes, nutrients, vitamins, and minerals that are effective in protecting your liver and metabolizing alcohol to stop hangovers before they start. They believe in the potency, effectiveness, and the science of Game Changer so much that they patented them. So try them for yourself at GameChangerPatch.com. Enter promo code REBELGROVE20 at checkout for 20% off your purchase. We're also brought to you by ACS, Automation and Control Systems, LLC, in Baldwin, Mississippi. They're a complete electrical control solutions provider and a Rockwell Automation Recognized System Integrator. ACS has a full-service um, emergency service and troubleshooting staff and a UL508A panel service and panel shop. They can custom tailor software packages, custom design electrical control panel solutions, and much more. ACS is a full-service AutoCAD services provider and a full-service fiber optic cabling solution provider. So if you're in need of custom HMI and SCADA solutions or large horsepower VFD specialist, ACS has you covered. ACSLLCMS.com or 662-601-4381. Football season right around the corner with the Oxford Park Commission. They've added two new age groups to their flag football lineup for the fall. So leagues are open 6 to 14. The cost is $50 per player. It's OxfordParkCommission.com for more details. And don't forget, fall baseball is going. Uh, the deadline to sign up is July the 25th. The uh, leagues will be ages 6 to 15. The season runs September 15th to October 20th at M-Trade Park. Again, the cost $40 per player. Same thing for fall softball. Uh, girls ages 5 to 12. And again, you can register through July the 25th at OxfordParkCommission.com. Also brought to you by Pinpoint Commercial Real Estate based out of Jackson. They service the entire state in all commercial asset classes such as retail, office, industrial, and land. Sam Cox and B.B. Mitchell are Ole Miss graduates and they utilize their unique skill sets to execute on assignments and increase value for their clients. To get in touch with those guys, it's Sam and BB at 601-586-3220. Blue Delta Jeans makes the best fitting, most comfortable jeans in the world because they are uniquely made for you and only you. They're hand handcrafted in Tupelo, Mississippi, raw denim jeans, custom fit, one size fits one at bluedeltajeans.com. 
There's no reason for you to delay uh, getting your new Blue Delta jeans. So go to their virtual tailor at BlueDeltaJeans.com. You can be measured and design your newest jeans in just a couple of minutes. And Blue Delta will make sure that you're looking great for that first kickoff of football season in September. Podcast listeners can get 10% off your purchase using the code REBELGROVE at BlueDeltaJeans.com or in the Oxford studio. It's a great time of year to get a pair of Blue Delta's cotton genos in the works. So don't miss out. We're also brought to you by Grenada Nissan. If you're in the market for a Nissan vehicle, Grenada Nissan's the place to go. They've got a complete selection of new and previously owned Nissan vehicles. Great lease deals as well at GrenadaNissanUSA.com. Also brought to you by Lamons Fine Jewelry. Lamons at 1126 North Lamar Boulevard in Oxford. They've been serving the Oxford area for almost 75 years. Engagement rings, wedding rings, fine jewelry, watches, pearls, fashion jewelry, children's jewelry, and more. It's the gold standard in fine jewelry. So visit them at LamonsFineJewelry.com or call them at 662-234-2777. Also brought to you by Comer Heating and Air. It's a name you can trust with more than a half century of professional HVAC experience in Oxford, Tupelo, and the surrounding area. 662-801-1777 for Comer Heating and Air. And we're brought to you by the College Corner. It's your one-stop rebel shop. They've got the uh, largest selection of Rebel gear in central Mississippi. Two locations in the Jackson area in Ridgeland. It's next to Fleet Feet in Flowood. The College Corner is next to Half Shell. You can also go to the collegecornerstore.com and find them on Facebook and Instagram. If you're one of the other leagues, let's say the Pac-12, the Big Ten, whatever, who are the two – Big 12 teams that you would want to poach after Texas and Oklahoma? Because at this point, the Big 12 is effectively dead. And if everybody's going to 16, you got to start kind of digging at the carcass of the league a little bit. I mean, I think you would have to look at Oklahoma State. Um, Kansas because of basketball? Yeah. um, But you're sacrificing football. Right. Uh, I don't really know if the footprint is even worth looking at in terms of West Virginia. Morgantown's not exactly very big. Um, you can look at Baylor. It's a private school. They've got a decent football history. Got a basketball national title. Basketball's really good. Um, small enrollment, um, but the endowment's up there. Um I think Oklahoma State's probably the first one you talk to. I think if I just completely had my pick, I would take Oklahoma State and Kansas. Yeah, because basketball with self getting the lifetime contract. Yeah, I mean, Kansas is not going to be bad at basketball for any long period of time. Yeah. It's a big school. In in, in Kansas. Yeah, big school, uh, huge enrollment. Um, I do think Baylor would be my number three. Yeah. So you go Oklahoma State, Kansas, then Baylor. Okay. I think. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really – nobody else really jumps off the page. I mean, I know Iowa State's kind of hot right now because of the I mean, football from a program. From institution standpoint, I do, I, after that, like – and I, maybe I'm crazy, maybe I'm missing something here. I think I would be tempted to want TCU even over West Virginia and Kansas State. Yeah. I mean – I get into the Metroplex. Right. That's what I was going to say. You're looking at footprint there at that point. 
I mean, now with TCU carrying a footprint, no. I mean, not any more than when when they go, oh, well, Rutgers gives us D.C. Like, no, it doesn't. Yeah, smallest smallest institution in terms of enrollment numbers there. It's private. Um, but like you said, you're getting into that Dallas-Fort Worth area. So um, that's it. I mean, you're not trying to get the Lubbock footprint. You that's way out there. Footprint standpoint. Yeah. So They're dead last. Yeah, that's it's a big school, forty thousand enrollment per Wikipedia, but yeah, you don't you don't want that. Yeah, uh, the media members voted for the SEC team, all SEC preseason team this week. This uh, week in Hoover, Ole Miss coming in fourth in the Western Division, Alabama with nine hundred thirty-two votes, A and M at seven sixty, LSU at six thirty-three, Ole Miss at five twenty-nine, Auburn four forty, Arkansas two forty-one, and Mississippi State at two seventeen. Uh, I have no idea where it came from, but Ole Miss did get a first-place vote to win the SEC West and a first-place vote to win the SEC title. Um, so there is that. Kentucky and South Carolina also got votes to win the league, as did uh, Florida, A&M, and then Georgia got 45 and Bama got 84. So just a little quick uh, thing there. Matt Corral, first-team quarterback, the only first-team player for the Rebels. Um, Jerry and Ely is a return specialist on the uh, on the list. Nick Broker, a third team offensive tackle, and Mac Jones, a third team punter. I think that's all. Ben Brown, sorry, third team center. Okay. Did I miss anybody? Sounds, no, it sounds about right. Okay. Yeah, I think that was uh, I think that was it on the list. Uh, Ely, first team. Sorry, what it was an uh, all purpose player for Ely. Sorry. First team. Uh, first team return specialist and first team all purpose. Okay. Right. Yeah. That is uh that is correct for uh for Ely. This is I mean, using NFL terms here, this is a contract year for him. So Oh, huge year for him. Huge. I mean that's so, why his yeah. baseball career is over. It was focused on football. Yeah. Paid. Absolutely. So yeah, I mean I, I actually wrote a, a thing about him and and how uh just his versatility and athleticism gives Ole Miss a ton of options offensively because he doesn't have to just be a running back. He can do a number of things. And I think that, you know, his value on the offense is, is right there with Matt Corral, in my opinion. I mean, Matt Corral is obviously the trigger man. He's the quarterback. He's the face of the program, face of the offense. But Ely is right there in terms of importance for how good they can be offensively just because of what he gives them all over the place. So what would you think of uh, Cleveland's baseball name change and what would you have liked it to have been? I actually saw that um, earlier today, and I didn't – I guess I saw the, the the video they tweeted out, but I didn't um, I didn't really think of what it was for. I didn't realize they were announcing that today. But, I mean, it's fine. Um, it kind of has the, you know, the end of Indians in it. I guess I don't know if that was on purpose to, to appease anybody. Uh, I mean – I didn't realize what the spiders reference was, but that was apparently an old team. Correct. But then, but then somebody told me that that team was just God awful. Um, like only won like 20 games one year. Like the, the owner, it was basically like major league. Like the owner apparently hated the team and just sold everybody and they were terrible. So maybe they just chose not to do that because of bad juju. I don't know. 
I saw the Spiders. I don't hate the name. You know, they were they were a team from like 1887 to 1899 or something like that. Um, I don't love the name Guardians at all. Um, but I will say, did you actually watch the video? I thought it was incredibly well done. I thought that was as much lipstick on a pig as you could possibly. <clears throat> I didn't see it. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I was kind of hoping that uh, maybe somebody would do a joke. For a, uh, <coughs> I got something in my throat. Keep talking. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was, it's one of those things I did not put a ton of thought into it. And I, I, I knew the Indians were changing and I kind of give them credit at least for making a decision and going with it because I mean, like what Washington's doing with the Redskins and all that stuff right now is just completely and utterly dumb. Um, you know, I, I think that just making a call and getting on with it is a huge deal. Um, and Cleveland, at least, was very strategic, really got it moving at that point. Um, so I, I, I liked from 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 that level, I liked what they uh, they that they did on at least kind of getting there, getting it over with, and moving on with whatever it is that they're starting fresh as. I would have been cool too, because I, I mean, the, the history is fascinating. The team names are really good in a lot of instances. I'd have been interested. I'm just not pulling it up to even look. I didn't do this when we started. If maybe it was like a Negro League team that they could have taken the name of. You know what I mean? Like something like that. I thought that would have been kind of yeah. neat, but I don't know how that works from any kind of level past past that point. Plus, I think the most notable one is the Buckeyes. And because of Ohio State, you couldn't be the Cleveland Buckeyes as a, as a major league. Right. The logo is pretty sharp. I like the logo. You like the logo? It's pretty clean. I like the C that they did. And then, I mean, I like the wings. Um, so, yeah, it says the guardians of traffic statues have flanked both sides of the Hope Memorial Bridge since 1932. Each of the four winged Art Deco figures have winged helmets and crowns, and each statue holds a different vehicle to signify the spirit of progress and transportation. Oh, that's cool. Um, oh, yeah, and it's right by the stadium. No, oh, that's cool. Um, what I was going to say before I like coughed up half a lung, um, I would have, I would have really liked for somebody to spoof it and say, you know, here's the, the video of the release of the new logo, whatever. And then it was just the Drew Carey intro of just Drew Carey running around Cleveland with all the people in the streets and that would have been funny. Um, Looking at the questions here for a second, uh, we already answered several of these. We made the argument for that's pretty easy. Do you have any argument against Texas and OU joining the SEC? No. And like I said, I mean, I think it's exciting. I think it's it's only going to help everybody. I don't really – I mean, outside of being thrown in a pod with them, just making things extremely difficult to uh, to win year in, year out. Because I don't think uh, Texas still got to do something. They still got to win. They haven't really done much. Um, I think Sark is a good coach, and he'll get it done eventually. But you know, like I said, Oklahoma's a machine, so that's going to be difficult if you have to play them every year. But again, whatever. You got a good coach in Lane Kiffin. Build something and go toe to toe with with one of the nation's best programs. I mean, that's all you can ask for if you're in the best conference in the in the country, right? Deuce McCluster 22 here with one, a movie that, frankly, I did not want to think of again. He says, and you may not have ever seen this, 
he says that in Radio Flyer, did the kid die at the end or did he majestically fly away to a better life? Have you seen this uh, this film? I mean, I have, but man, it came out in 92. So I was... I remember it from when I was a kid. I mean, I was born in 83. Um, when you watch it as a kid, you do not realize exactly what is happening in that movie. I'll say that. That movie is sad. Yeah. I mean, it's about abuse. Like, it's it's rough. But when you're like 10, a lot of that goes over your head. You don't really know what you're watching. <clears throat> right. I didn't realize that <clears throat> that was J- Joseph Mazzello that was in it, who was in Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a somewhat dark film. Um, I did see this um, because the, you know, the, the movie's being narrated by the brother and uh, I found this on the internet. So it's, it's kind of, this is kind of like Bill Simmons, like was it half-ass internet research? It could be completely wrong, but I, I'm assuming it's right. It says uh, the script's ending was ultimately changed by director Robert Richard Donner from what David Evans had originally written. In the original ending, it was made clear the radio flyer had actually worked and it was seen hanging next to the Wright Brothers plane in the Smithsonian. Donner instead wanted the ending to be a bit of a test, meaning the viewer sees the ending as he or she wants. So if you perceive it as working and Bobby being free, or if you see it as Bobby committing suicide, etc., it's meant as a reflection on you. However, Evans has said that he never intended the ending to be or allude to suicide, but because of the script changes, he understands how people can make that conclusion. Ooh. So they actually changed it from being a very obvious miracle of aviation that he was able to get away from the abusive adult and live a life. It's kind of like Sopranos where it's like, do you yeah, think yeah, that, yeah, 100%. do you think they're, do you think they're killed in the end at the restaurant or do you think that it's nothing and they just live? So what do you think about that? <clears throat> I, I, don't, I don't think anything happens at the end. I think it's you just, think Sopranos, they literally just had dinner and moved on. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's it's open to interpretation. I mean, I think the obvious answer is, oh no, you know, the, somebody from the mob comes in and shoots up the place, and they all die. But um, the camera work is fascinating. How you're focused on every little bitty thing that happens, expecting something. Oh, I mean, the whole last, the whole final scene of the finale, you're it's just shot waiting so on something. Well. Yeah, it's it's one of the on the day of season two of Ted Lasso coming out. Oh yeah. Which I think if that if if this season is is even remotely close to season one, I mean it's it might go down as one of the best television shows in history. Um but Sopranos is just so good. Um you know, um we before I talk about the show, Sopranos very good show. I mean, top whatever you want to put in there. I have a couple different beefs to it. I think it gets I think the wire gets this a little bit too. I think both those shows get crazy extra bonus points for being so early in the critical TV genre and being one of the first ones and what they were trying to do. And they should get credit for that. But I think that Sopranos coming out in 2019, while it's still Mount Rushmore all-time kind of stuff, I think it's down a peg or two because we've seen that level of television for so long, if that makes sense. Because you do yeah, have some arcs that get a little boring in the Sopranos from time to time. Yeah. It's not, I mean, it's not a straight just torch all the way through. Uh, yeah. I mean, there are some 
there are some lulls there because I, I guess the show that a show that goes on that long, it's you're you're naturally gonna have some some lulls like that. But I mean, I got to the point with like you know it, with Michael Imperioli's character, you know Chris Chris Monte. I mean, he, he got to where it was just like, all right, like get rid of this character. Like he is just so toxic. It is it is beyond repair at this point like you just got to get rid of him and then you know i the relationship that that tony had with janice his sister got pretty stale pretty quick because it was just so just toxic non-stop and i don't know but there's so many so many people in that show that i mean everything about it is just it just hits the mark you know from you know jamie lynn siegler and, and robert Euler and how they grow up and they just basically kind of learn who their dad is like that, that acting there is just mm-hmm. so good and how they handled it. Cause it's one thing to, okay, here's the script. We need you to do this, but it's also, you, it's basically your whole life. I mean, they grow up on the show and just being able to, to do that just, you know, as an actor, as is going from when you're eight, nine, 10 years old to when you're, you know, 15, 16, 17. I mean, that's, pretty remarkable and then i mean edie falco is is tremendous um as carmella and i mean i don't know the whole, the whole cast is just so good even like just Jamie lamb was better in that than entourage <laughs> yeah a little more believable in that is getting with turtle but um yeah and i mean i still haven't done it yet but there's some really good podcasts from some of the folks that are in it um that I have yet to listen to, but I've heard are just so good just because they have all the old cast members come on and they just share stories all the time. But, um, I mean, James Gandolfini is apparently just one of the, from, from what everybody else said, I haven't done a ton of research into his life, but everybody just said that he was just like top notch dude Mm -hmm. to everybody. Um, from just like taking, you know, checks that he made from the show and giving it to, you know, people that were working behind the scenes, um, on the show, you know, building sets and wardrobe, you know, just giving people, you know, Christmas gifts and all that. I mean, it just kind of adds to the the allure of the show and how good it was. But yeah, I, I was I was very pleased when I finally finished it. And I yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely on the mountain for me. Get a couple questions here about any members getting removed from conferences and different things. I, I just don't see that happening. I mean, I, I don't necessarily have an answer to the one specific question, but I, I think that removing a member for something that's not legal in nature is almost impossible. Mm-hmm. No, you're not. I mean, th- th- nobody in the SEC is not trying to win. I mean, you could argue Vanderbilt football in a way, but I mean, Vanderbilt's not in danger of getting kicked out of the league. Um, so, no, no. That's, that, that's, that, that's not a problem right now. That's not anything to – yeah. To take. Um, I have no idea if the big if if these extra members would be on you know, tiered systems or not for a little while. I have no idea. I do think that they do have to buy into the league, but beyond that, I know nothing as far as, uh, yeah. as anything else. Also, got a question here that said, "Chances most SEC members, not just A and M, were left out of the conversation." And it's kind of back to that thing a second ago. I mean, I, I know that it's really easy and low-hanging fruit and could be correct to bash on Ross here. And it's not defending Ross. I just have a hard time believing that all SEC schools were involved and that A&M had no idea. They're humans. I, I mean, I have a hard time believing Keith Carter would not tell Ross. 
You know what I mean? You think? You think? Yeah, I do. Hundred percent. Okay. I think there's just a dynamic there that's hard to buy that 13 people at minimum can be on calls and know a secret and not tell the other person in the room. Maybe I'm wrong, but just human nature makes that very complicated to me. You've got to, you've got to vet every single person. It's got to be just, this is understood that we are, I mean, it would probably get to the point where you're probably not telling your significant other that you're doing this. Yeah. I mean, I, I get it. I just, and I could, again, I could be wrong, but to me, that's, that, that's, a, that's a tough one. I just can't quite get that, uh, get that under wraps. I, if they were able to do it, I look forward to the 30 for 30 about it. Cause well, that'll yeah. be well, no, extremely. No. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be great. Um, Rebel Sandman, a little different one here. What's your order at Subway? <laughs> you a cold cut sandwich person or one of the other meats, chicken, meatball, steak? Well, I haven't been to a subway I, in probably five or six years. The probably about the same for me. The last time I ate at a subway, we were coming back from the uh, unclaimed baggage store that's in the middle of nowhere, Georgia. And we were driving back to Nashville, and my wife's friend's brand new Jeep, Jeep Grand Cherokee, probably had 100 miles on it, just broke down. Just computer in the Jeep completely shut off creep off of um, the exit ramp right outside Pulaski, Tennessee. And we were waiting on either a tow truck or her dad to come pick us up. And the only thing that was there was a subway. And if I'm just in a complete bind and I have to go, I'm just going to get an Italian and just keep it simple. But, but that was probably 2018 forever if i went to subway i would get a roasted chicken sandwich and i would put lettuce brown mustard pickles and banana peppers on it the every time like when i was younger i would get turkey on white with lettuce and mustard and that's it i mean i've I've told the story in high school we would go before baseball games and one of my teammates would get a crab and seafood sandwich and put black olives and mayonnaise on it. Is he just trying to die? I mean, disgusting. That's so bad. Because the fake crab and seafood already has mayonnaise in it. And we're just adding more. Uh, That's so bad. I mean, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I don't go to Subway. Um, There are plenty of other sandwich options that are out there that are so much better. Sure. Um, my pregame for football when I was in high school was McAllister's. Okay. That's what we would do. Um, how soon could Texas Oklahoma join the SEC? I mean, there's a lot of rumors today and reports that as soon as next season. I mean, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not ruling out 2022 yet. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what they're shooting for with how fast everything's moving. There's no way they're going to do it this year, obviously. But I would – yeah, I could see 2022. I don't think Ole Miss can build a new football stadium right now. They still owe a lot of money on the pavilion. I just don't know that that's feasible. I've gotten a lot of questions about instead of doing the one side or anything, do you just start over? I, I just don't know how that works at this point. To me, that that, that, doesn't, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, let's see. I think Notre Dame ends up in the ACC. They've got so many ties yeah. now that I know the Big Ten makes a lot more sense in a lot of ways. 
but it, it feels like they've got so much kind of history, if you will, with the ACC here in the last couple of years that that's where they're headed eventually. What do they – they compete in the ACC in what, baseball and basketball? Yeah, and I mean, maybe every other Olympic sport. I just don't know the answer to that. Yeah, but like I guess like the big, big yeah. three or four. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that makes the most sense. I mean, it is in Big Ten country. I still kick myself for not taking the train up there when I lived in Chicago and going to, going to a game because it's just a – hour train ride give or take up South Bend but yeah the ACC just they did it last year there that'll be what they'll do um somebody asking what's the best pod for Ole Miss if they did go to a 14 pod system um ones that I mean we can make all of our jokes in the world but the one that would make the most sense and be the most effective for Ole Miss would be Ole Miss State LSU Arkansas yeah geographically that makes the most sense just kind of going right down Mm-hmm. Well, and it allows um, four teams on other side. You know what I mean? You can kind of make yeah. it work everywhere else because you got like a and you know you have like a and m Texas, Oklahoma, and Missouri, and then you go east and do yeah. it. Um, what foods are you brand loyalist to, and what foods do you think all taste relatively the same and brand does not matter? I actually think we're going to kill a week of uh, not a week, but we're going to do some of this coming up. I, I think that it's a interesting enough topic because I have a feeling we're tricked by brands more than we realized that I think I'm going to actually pull some items and have Neil and I um, test it out a little bit. Okay. I mean, not really a food, but I mean, I'm as basic as it gets when it comes to coffee. I, you know, got to have my Starbucks type type person. Maybe, you know, call it an addiction, whatever, but I'm loyal to Starbucks. I'll say that. Um, Neil and I mentioned it because you just don't see it any other way. I always buy French's mustard. Um, I don't know if I'm – I know Heinz is better than Hunt's, so I'm really big into Heinz ketchup when I do – I mean, I hardly ever eat it, but that's what we buy. Um, okay. It's one off the top of my head that really, really matters for some reason, but I don't know why. If, um, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm buying ice cream, I'm getting Ben & Jerry's. Okay. And I guess it's just with the generic ice creams. No, not really. I, I, I work one summer. I worked for Bluebell and Bluebell makes great ice cream. I think for me, it's just more of like a, a serving size thing. I know if I just get the pint, I might eat it in one sitting, but I'm not going to have a full tub in my freezer, but I'm pretty loyal to Ben and Jerry's. Um, definitely. I would end up going name brand almost always on paper towels or toilet paper. Oh yeah, you you got it. You got to buy the best, the best toll paper. <laughs> can't can't be getting single plow. Come on. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Let me, let me think about it. I mean, if I went and looked through the kitchen right now, I'm sure there'd be some where I went, oh yeah, I definitely buy that for this reason, but I don't know why. But there That's are a great question, items that I don't mind whatever the the store version is. Yeah, I mean condiments to a certain extent. I don't really care. Um, with kids, brands matter. They somehow know. Um, what is the – I can never say it right. I need to be able to see it to say it. Um, Intenmins? Intenmins, those little bites, muffins? Um, oh, yeah, those are good. My son, like, I have to map out where we're going in Publix because if he sees them, it's – we got to get one and we got to open a, open a – box for him to eat one so he's pretty loyal to that I guess so my, my one and a half year old is very particular about his mini muffins um 
Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty open to whatever Publix brand is. I, I, I don't mind what they offer. Yeah, so we don't have that. Um, this is kind of random, but is the message board opening for you? Oh, I know we're live see. here, but I'm having a problem. I'm getting a uh, an error message. No, it works. It, it's working for me. Okay. Can you go to page two of the questions then and tell me if there are a couple as we're getting ready to close that matter? Because I'm getting a service okay. not available on mine. All right. Let's see. Page two. Um, here's one for, for you. This is in your wheelhouse. Uh, P-Town Rev 10 is asking how will expansion affect the SEC baseball tournament? Um, something I have not spent a second thinking about. Um, <laughs> is it going to stay in Hoover? It's still staying in Hoover. Um, yeah. See, here's the deal. I think you leave it at the number it's at. I think you stay at 12, even though it goes to 16. Because 13 through 16 is not relevant to the postseason. You know, a lot of the reasons why they kept expanding it was because you didn't want that stigma to be around the top eight where it was easy for the NCAA selection committee to go, hey, you're not in the top eight in your conference tournament, so there's no way you're getting into the postseason. But, mm -hmm. I mean, I would, would the SEC tournament be changed any if this past year Auburn didn't get in? No, nobody would have cared. Like, I, no. I think that even if it goes to 16, I think you stick top 12. I think it's a good yeah. number. I think it's something you actually play for a little bit. And it's the worst teams not getting in. It's teams that aren't getting into the postseason. So, nah, I think it's all good. Yeah, and, and I think the way it's set up now, the way the tournament is set up, it's probably is – the way the games are structured to play out the week in Hoover mm -hmm. is the best for keeping pitching staffs relatively healthy, fresh – keeping pitch counts down as much as you can heading into regional play. Right. I think if you add more teams, it's just going to – Yeah, you're not going to expand the days. So, if you're not expanding the days, like, it would get into a stupid convoluted bracket of buys and all sorts of stuff. So Yeah, and you'd have a bunch of pointless single elimination games that don't matter. And Yeah. You would add a no, single elimination game, but then you got to find it somewhere else. Yeah, so, I mean – No, I think it's good where it's at. And, you know, it's not going to move. I mean, Hoover's – I, you know, I've said that I think it would be cool if they did it at a different location every year, like a different minor league park in mm -hmm. the footprint inside the conference. But Hoover just works too well, and they do it, and they do a really good job. Yeah, it's it's set up there. It's comfortable. It works on all counts that actually matter for what that event's supposed to be. So, I'm sure there will be more uh, things happening by Monday in regards to the SEC expansion, Oklahoma and Texas. We were uh, getting close to August, to August, one more week prior to. Uh, the turn of the month, fall camp starting here soon, a couple weeks, Arch Manning on campus here soon. So stay locked in rebelgrove.com. In the meantime, for all of that, and podcasts will resume on Monday. So for Zach, I'm Chase. Talk to you again very soon.